have eyes that cannot see, have hands that cannot close, have uh, mouths that cannot speak. God, when we serve the living God, the risen Savior, who is high and lifted up, who is seated above all and sees all and knows all, and there you are for us all who are looking to you. And that's why we have gathered today, whether in-house or even online, we have gathered to meet with you. And so we pray, God, that you will meet with us as you do each and every time we come together. We pray, Lord, as we open up your word, may you give us insight, knowledge, wisdom, information, and revelation of your kingdom and how it works that we may operate in it as sons and daughters, Father, as well as being innocent. So we pray that you will watch over your word at this time. See that it does what you have purposed it to do, even before the foundations of the world, for our good and your glory. what's right, 
regardless of race. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer, that's who the Bible is talking to. That's who God is talking to at this moment. Then we require what is right regardless of race. You know, there's a reason why Lady Justice is drawn this way, right? We see Lady Justice and she has the scales in her hands because she wants equity. She wants justice, but she is also blindfolded. Why? Because justice is supposed to be unbiased, right? It's supposed to be impartial, right? Because justice comes from God, and even our laws and our judicial system, it comes from the Word of God. And so, because God is unbiased, because God is impartial, we ought to be as well. We ought to be able to remove race before trying to We ought to be able to do that as Christians, as believers. We ought to be able to remove the race factor before trying to lose souls. And there have been times where I thought, why don't we do that? I think about how differently results of cases and trials would be on either side if we remove race from it. Or if we remove socioeconomic status from it. Or if we remove uh, positions of power from it. Would our uh, cases and trials end up if we remove those impartial aspect or partial aspects from these particular cases? But obviously, we cannot. <laughs> obviously, we cannot remove race from this particular case. And so, because we can't remove it, I believe God wants us tonight to address it. God wants us to address it since there's no way we can remove it. So I'm not here to talk about the case. It's simply what is on the heart and minds of many people about it at this time. Racism, just like every ism, (laughs) is definitely a mind of the mind. That is our series. We've been talking about minds of the mind, what Satan plants, what the world triggers, but what God wants to give us victory and power over. Racism, just like any ism, whether it's ageism or sexism or uh, elitism, whatever the ism is, it is definitely a mind of the mind. And racism is at the very top of the ism, not only because of the detriment that it does to the person that you are racist against, but because of the detriment it does to your own self. To your own mind, your own soul, your own spirit. It's kind of like unforgiveness. <laughs> we don't want to forgive. We don't like to forgive. And we think that we're hurting the other person by not forgiving. Yes, you may be hurting them, but guess who you're also hurting? Yourself. And the same is true with racism. The same is true with hatred that is in your heart. That's why it was said if we are able to eradicate racism, not only will it free the oppressed, it will free the oppressor as well. Because no longer would you have to harbor hate in your heart toward anybody. And so you would be free from that hatred. You would be free from racism as well if we were able to simply eradicate it from our land and from our society. Because it is definitely a mind of the mind. It is definitely a landmine that the enemy uh, of God and his people have planted in people to destroy, to kill, to steal, and to bring harm and detriment, not only to the person that you're hating, but to yourself as well. So this nation, 
Now it has been said that this nation's original sin is racism. The original sin of this nation is racism. That's what is, has been said. But I would argue that racism is not original sin. Racism is simply a symptom of original sin. Racism is simply a byproduct of original sin. Racism is simply uh, a result of original sin. And I'm going to explain to you by God's Word what I mean by that today. In our particular lesson that we're going to talk about today, the next installment of our series, Minds of the Mind, that we're calling Part 10, Original Sin. Part 10, Original Sin. Now, as we said last week, because we already addressed original sin. Last week, if you were here, you tuned in, we said original sin was not the disobedience in the garden. That was not original sin. Original sin is not racism. Original sin is not disobedience. God actually lets us in on what the original sin was. Okay? And it is found in the book of Isaiah chapter 14. You have your Bibles or you're taking notes, go with me to Isaiah chapter 14, starting in verse 13. This is original sin. Okay? Isaiah chapter 14, starting in verse 13, is the recording of the fall of Lucifer. Okay? The fall of one of God's archangels who literally, spiritually fell from grace. Isaiah 14, 13 records and lets us know of original sin. It says, For you have said in your heart, speaking about Lucifer, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. You don't get any higher than that. Because of the pride that he expressed and exemplified, that 
is to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. And so by doing so, you also then exalt yourself above Because racism does both. Racism does both. Racism causes you to think more highly of yourself than you should. And therefore, racism also will cause you to try to exalt yourself above somebody else, above other races. And so racism is the product of pride. Racism is the product of so no, racism is not original sin. It is simply the product of original sin. It is the result of original sin. And it's interesting, with other isms, at least the other isms would make sense, right? <laughs> you, you can almost understand sexism, right? <laughs> a man thinking that he is better than a woman, perhaps because he is stronger, because he's more aggressive or, or something, that would almost make sense. Doesn't make it right. But at least it would make sense to us. Ageism, you can understand that, right? Someone being an ageist thinking, well, because I'm young, man, maybe I have more energy, I'm more creative, I, I can get things done. So even ageism makes sense a little bit. It doesn't make it right. <laughs> Still wrong, doesn't make it right. But at least it makes sense. Racism is the most irrational thing <laughs> that comes to my mind. Because what you say is, I am better than you simply because of the color of my skin. It makes absolutely no sense. It is irrational to think that you are somehow better than somebody else based on your skin color, <laughs> based on the pigment or the melanin that you have or don't have. It makes absolutely no sense. It is an irrational thing, and that's sin is irrational. Sin doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense for Lucifer to be in heaven, to be in the presence of Almighty God, and to somehow think that he can do that. That doesn't make sense. Sin doesn't make sense. Sin is irrational. And so racism definitely is irrational because it doesn't make sense how you can think, how someone can think that they are better than somebody else or even worse, because now you are lumping everybody together. <laughs> if everybody's white, it's the same. If everybody's black, it's the same. If everybody's male, it's the same. Everybody's Asian, it's the same. <laughs> if that's what you say, that's what you do. I am better than you because I am not like you, because I don't look like you. So it is a result of sin. As, as, right, as somebody said once, it says racism, it is not a skin problem. Racism is not a skin problem, it is a sin problem. Because you are showing and you are proving how far removed you are from the heart and the mind of God. Which is based on sin. So we can understand then why racism would be in this world. We can understand because we have a world 
And so we can understand why racism would be prevalent in our land and in our world. So where it should not be where racism should not be found is in the church. And I say in the church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about a religion. I'm not talking about a denomination. I am talking about the people of God. I'm talking about the called out ones. I'm talking about those who profess and proclaim to know God and to be known by God. Racism should not be an issue of a thought in the mind of a believer. And I want to show you
And he does this through the example of saving Cornelius, a Gentile, and his family. Now, obviously, there are going to be some people who have a problem with this. There are going to be some people who have an issue with you taking the gospel to the Gentiles and, and the Gentiles getting saved and coming to faith. Now, there are some Jews that are going to have a problem with this. And so what Peter then is going to have to do, he's going to have to explain the heart, the character, and the nature of Almighty God. And in Acts 10, 34, he does that very thing. He says this, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. Peter says, In truth I perceive, I know this about God, that God shows no partiality. No favoritism with God. He says, but in every nation, not just the Israel, not just the uh, Jewish nation, but in every nation, he says, whoever fears him and works righteousness is what? Accepted by God. Not just the Jewish nation, it is every nation. Whosoever wills, the Bible says, let him come. There is no partiality with God. There is no inequality with God. There is no uh, iniquity in God. But whoever fears him and works righteousness, the Bible says, is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace to you this time, he is Lord of the Jews. Is that what the Bible says? He is Lord of the blacks. Is that what the Bible says? He is Lord of the whites. He is Lord of all. God is Lord of all. There is no partiality with God. There is no favoritism with God. What you have is a lot of people who want to be special. God, I'm I'm your favorite kid. I'm your special one. And what racism does is it causes us to perceive that there is some inequality with God. Partiality with God, which means there would be iniquity in God. No, God says you're all special. I died for all of you. You don't get any more special than that. You are all special. But what we do, just like what we're about to do come election season, we tend to vote this same way. We want to vote for people who are just like us. I want to vote for him because he's a man like me, or he's rich like me, or he's poor like me, or he's black like me, or he's a woman like me, or she's like me, so therefore she'll be for me. No, we're doing the same thing with God and his kingdom. We want to think that God is just like us so that he will be for us. No, God is not trying to be like us. We should already be trying to be like him, okay? We have been made in his image and his, his likeness. We are not to try to create God into our image. Our image is sinful. Our image is flawed. Our image is worldly. That's what we want. We want God to be like us rather than us be like God. Why? Because we want to be special. That's why you have people start running around today talking about white Jesus and black Israelites. White Jesus and black Israelites. Did you know Jesus was white? Did you know the true Israelites were black? Why? So you're not to be special? Now because of the color of your skin, God is going to favor you more because of that fact that you just told us? We're all special because we're all 
number one, if you practice racism, if you have a philosophy or a sentiment toward racism, you are in a system of racism. What you are doing is showing there is inequity with God, therefore there is
That's what being prejudiced is. You are being judged before you know the person, before you know their heart, before you know their character, before you know anything about it. You are prejudging. You are judging the single heart. So in verse 8, he says this. If you really fulfill the royal law, what's the royal law? According to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, the Bible says you cannot be my disciple. They asked Jesus one time, God, what is the greatest commandment of all the law? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he said the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That is what James is describing is is explained right here. And he says, but if you don't do that, if you are not loving your neighbor as you love yourself and you show partiality, God says you cannot be my disciple. You commit sin by doing that and you are condemned by the law as a transgressor. You've gone beyond the law of God and said you ought to love your neighbor as yourself by showing partiality to somebody and telling them who they are and what they are.
and your people. So we, number one, we prove what you need from your God. Number two, we prove what you need from us. And then number three, that they should be glad. Let me see if you call your group to one time and say something to them. Let me see if you can call your group. Tonight. 
right there. Who has the image? And my image, and it's going by yours, doesn't make sense. God could have said, well, that's you. You are lost. You are lost. But you said you love God. But you don't. And God has to say, you're lost. Thank you. 
American from the European. <laughs> He's going to separate 